So I think I got a little ahead of myself. Uh, if you were present or have watched uh, online the first sermon in this current series of sermons called Losing Grip, you heard me use a verse from Paul's letter to the churches of Galatia as a platform to talk about living faith. I, not I, but Christ who lives in me. The sermon was called Decentering Yourself. Now, I guess I was trying to say that life, not just whatever chemical process makes us something other than stones, and not just the stories we tell about how we experience whatever makes us other than stones, but life as a relationship between God and us. Life as a relationship. I, I drew conclusions from that idea about faith. That faith is not just about you or about me and what we want or need from God. It's not just about what we think about Christ Jesus. Faith is a living, vibrant, growing, personal relationship between Christ and Christ's people. You, me, us, together, and God in Christ. Well, as soon as I took that sermon on the terrain of faith, I got ahead of myself all the way to actually to today's topic. Because today, for the second sermon in this series called Losing Grip, we actually were in a passage from the book of Hebrews about faith. And our topic today is decentering faith. Putting faith off kilter taking faith out of the station and putting it on the train moving forward, centering Christ so that faith is something the crucified and risen Christ does in us. The first sermon on this series, the second sermon of this series, pretty much two approaches to the similar thought. So let us hear from scripture about living faith. From the book of Hebrews, I, I have extended our verses today to verse 16, chapter 11. May God bless to us the reading of God's word. Now faith, faith, is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Indeed, by faith, our ancestors received approval. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain's. Through this, he received approval as righteous, God himself giving approval to his gifts. He died, but through his faith, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken so that he did not experience death, and he was not found because God had taken him. For it was attested before he was taken away that he had pleased God. And without faith, 
It is impossible to please God, for whoever would approach God must believe that God exists and that God rewards those who seek God. By faith, Noah, warned by God about events as yet unseen, respected the warning and built an ark to save his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir to the righteousness that is in accordance with faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to set out for a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he set out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he stayed for a time in the land he had been promised, as in a foreign land, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, he received power of procreation, even though he was too old and Sarah herself was barren, because he considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one person, and this one as good as dead, descendants were born, as many as the stars of heaven and as innumerable as grains of sand by the seashore. All of these died in faith without having received the promises, but from a distance they saw and greeted them. They confessed that they were strangers and foreigners on the earth, for people who speak in this way make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land that they had left behind, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Indeed, God has prepared a city for them. The word of the Lord. Please pray with me. Holy Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be receptive to thee. O God, our strength and our redeemer, we pray. Amen. All right, let's go right back to that text. Let's start there this morning in the book of Hebrews with the very first verse I read to you. Now faith is the assurance of things things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The vision of faith in that verse is actually of a faith that propels us into the future on the basis of trust. Trust in God's creative word, God's grace. This verse is actually not a definition of faith. It is a description of what faith does, what it enacts, what it creates. 
It doesn't say, if you're sure you have faith. There's lots of deluded people in the world, and I may be among them, who are sure. They know what they believe, they know what they want. That doesn't mean they have faith, as this verse describes it. Nor does this verse say, if you have faith, you will get whatever you want. Now that kind of doesn't really make sense that it would say that. So try this way of thinking about what this verse says. Faith assures hope. Faith and hope are intimately intertwined. Christ and the future are inseparable for those for whom life is life in Christ. And by faith, connected to the Spirit of Christ, trust is born, hopelessness fades. The power of the word, excuse me, the power of the world, hell-bent, on controlling the future is humbled and life comes alive. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. So let's think about that word assurance. The King James actually has a take on that word that helps us a little bit. The King James Version of the Bible translated at, translates it as substance. The word literally there, translated as assurance or substance, means what stands under. Assurance. Substance. Girding up. Understanding. Faith allows you to understand what you can, should, do, will, hope for. Faith does all of that. Faith shapes your hopes as well as assures your hopes. And that next line right there. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, the conviction of things not seen. Now that word conviction is actually well chosen in this translation because the word actually has a kind of judicial courtroom sort of resonance to it. The sense is not that, that faith sort of reveals mysteries behind a veil. The sense is about the future, connected to the idea of hope that was already said. You test the future. You measure the future. You judge the future by virtue of faith that assures your hope. The assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So why do I keep talking like this? Why do I say that that sentence might better be translated as conviction of things not yet seen, not yet apparent? 
putting faith on the edge of what's to come? Well, I say that, and I add that yet to that phrase, and put faith into time, instead of thinking about faith as something that you have, that sits outside of time, forever the same, forever stable, forever the one thing that helps you escape the vicissitudes of time. Well, I, I put faith into time and into history and into your stories because of what comes next in this passage. The author of Hebrew gives, Hebrews gives us examples stories in time. Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham and his family. Examples of what was just said about faith. Faith in action. Of all the stories from the ancient scriptures that could have been chosen as examples here, these are the ones that were chosen. By faith, Abel, the second son of Eve and Adam, brought forward to God from the firstlings of his flock, the firstborn of his flock, he brought as sacrifices to God. Not the tail ends, not the extras, not the leftovers. The very first. Cain presumably brought his produce to God from the tailings, from the excess, from the extra after he'd done all of his work and what was left over. But Abel, by bringing from the firstborn of his flock, before he knew that any others were even going to be born, showed that he honored God by trusting the future. Enoch. Enoch, who the rabbis put in the seventh generation from Eve and Adam, according to tradition and a kind of obscure passage in scripture, Enoch didn't die. What's that all about? Well, it is said that Enoch was taken into paradise before he physically died. There was no body found. Suggesting that the life of time in God is more profound and more present even than death. That one story of Enoch that kind of reminds us of what we will learn of in the death and resurrection of Christ. That one story of Enoch sets up this dynamic to let us know that while death is a part of life, life exceeds death. In God's time, God is ahead of us. And then there's Noah who built an ark to save the world and his family from the deluge. Noah prepared without fear, without regret. He saw it coming, he heard the call, he did the work. It's a similar message there as Enoch. In this case, that we can live for hope that we cannot define. Even when logic tells us that we shouldn't. The flood's coming after all. And then there's Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob, the family of origin for our faith. 
They felt the nudge and they followed God with no guarantees except a promise. Trust, hope, leaning toward God to listen and to follow. When you add up these glimpses of what is meant by faith, you see that faith here is not about some secret knowledge against evidence of something that is behind other things. Faith here is about an active, life-making, God-trusting confidence in what is to come. It is about hope in all things. Faith is saturated and situated in real time, in real life, in the face of your actual experience and my actual experience, in the world that we actually inhabit and in the decisions that we actually make. It is decentered because it is not something that we hold or accomplish or create, but it becomes a way of turning toward life because of God who we know in Christ, who creates and saves and promises. God is in the future. God will take us there. So let's stop trying to pull the cart on our own. Faith will shape what we hope for, if we let it. Faith will let us understand our experience if we let it. Faith will propel us without fear into tomorrow if we let it. For like those ancient Hebrews who are raised up there as examples, the city we seek, the future we seek to understand, can be the one that is created by God. Now, living can be hard. I get it. Life can sometimes feel empty. Or it can feel like we're just wandering around without God's direction. You can shore up as many fragments against your ruins as you wish to try to keep it all together. But life can also be rich and full and aware and excited as if on our tiptoes leaning forward through all things joy and sorrow, dread and excitement because we know that God holds the future and in faith we can live because God is calling us forward. This is faith living alive through all things joy and sorrow, richness and lack in the midst of it all with each other and for each other and because of God's spirit among us, Christ in the center, not our designs. We know the faith that assures our hopes. The faith that structures our tomorrow. The faith that is a conviction and a test of all the things that we don't yet 
see that have not yet appeared, but will in faith and will appear if we see God in them as okay. Not because they're perfect, but because God is in them and propels us forward each moment. We can lose our grip and still find our footing because faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Thanks be to God. Amen.